Alright, welcome to A Book A Week. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Dom. How you doing, brother? Great to be back, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, so a Tuesday night pod, we have special guest Nick Barnes sitting in on the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Awesome, Nick. Thanks for joining us. I'm potting Tuesday night because I bailed Sunday. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of... <laughs> Someone hit me up to go to the beach, so I kind of bailed. But hey, it um, makes sense, bro. You know, it's summertime. We're gonna get the beach days in while we can. We're limited for sure. Exactly. Especially you working a full time schedule. So when the weekends are here, man, that's definitely a, uh, I this a good a excuse. Little, little heavier. Little yeah. Better. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe that's the reason why it took me longer to read it because, like I've been saying, usually I can get through it. I'll finish it if I start on a Monday. On by Thursday afternoon, I'll be like, Yo, Q, I just finished it. Yeah. I didn't. I read it all last week, and then today's Tuesday, and I, ju- I just finished. Definitely, bro. A lot to chew on in this book. You know, definitely not an easy read. Mm. Um, Who's the author? I'm sorry. The Happiness Hypothesis. Jonathan Haidt. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, You know, positive psychology genre. Uh, This is just a book about 10 great ideas. Uh, A lot of ancient wisdom. Kind of, we're seeing this trend now in uh, modern psychology. They're picking up where kind of ancient wisdom left off. The whole mindfulness technique. The whole breathing thing. Uh, being present, um, maybe questioning wealth, questioning material possessions. This is all stuff we see in ancient texts, you know. So Haidt kind of takes that wisdom and combines it into a book for the modern seeker, the modern individual who's trying to find happiness, um, which I think we're all trying to do in some form or another. What's his background? His background, Nick, is he is the professor of ethical leadership at NYU. Um, he's a social psychologist. Pretty sure he taught at the University of Virginia for a little bit. Yes, yes. And a couple, he just came up with a great book called Coddling of the American mind which i think is absolutely timeless oh, he's an academic he's an academic man yeah he's an academic man um brilliant mind uh very well read and uh he's been on bill maher i know you love that oh, show really? yeah he was on maher and they talked about the coddling of the american mind it sounded familiar yeah i heard from you or from bill maher <laughs> yeah i feel like you've you've probably seen him on there yeah. for sure awesome. so brendan he kind of takes um he approaches this happiness hypothesis by the combination of analyzing all different religious views on morality right and ethics so he tries to incorporate like talking about happiness by analyzing eastern religions western religions absolutely bro Um, yeah everything's in here you know and psychology psychology you have modern psychology you have buddha confucius jesus um stoics right aurelius plato um there's some david hume in here he tends to really agree with david hume when it comes to passions versus reason, what what rules human beings? He believes with he believes what Hume says that it's uh it's passion rather than reason. Um, so I think there's just there's so much to learn here, and I like how it's called the happiness hypothesis. When we hear this term hypothesis, we all think of science. We think of like the scientific method, and that was I think step two in the scientific method. So I like how it's almost like saying uh, so- happiness is a science in a way. And he talks a lot about kind of the chemistry of happiness, uh, the biology of happiness, and just to be more mindful of those things. I think Haidt does a great job of bringing that to our attention and kind of showing us how can we maximize our happiness in the modern world, you know, Definitely. which is a question I think probably all of us have. Mm. Yeah. But on page 63, uh, it talks about how most people think they are good people and that their actions <laughs> are motivi- motivated by good reason. And how it brought me back to our study of Carnegie because he really took advantage of this and he noticed this early on probably with I don't know how much psychology he read but um, basically he understood that in every conversation this other person whether they're a criminal or any <laughs> any bad decision that we perceive to be bad he recognized that they probably think that they made a really good decision and had very good motives for it and that we just don't understand that <laughs> so. absolutely bro I find that fascinating I think it was the Kahneman book that we've also done here on mm-hmm. Week Thinking Fast and Slow 
he talks about the same thing. He uh, a lot of people. Um, they, they all think that they're better morally. They all yeah. uh, think they're more generous than others and stuff. And polls show time and time again that they're not. Mm. But they've convinced themselves. That, I know I, <laughs> I know I think I am. I'm probably, man, I'm just as, you know, as Whitman says, I'm as good as the best, but I'm as bad as the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I somehow think of myself as being probably great morally and very generous. And I'm probably just where the mean is. But mm-hmm. we all, as human beings, tend to overrate ourselves. Absolutely. Does he say something about pride? Oh, uh, yeah, Nick, he definitely talks about pride in here. I'm trying to think what chapter that that is in the most. Um, I think it's safe to say, Nick, on some of these episodes, we've been strong advocates of killing your pride. Most yeah, of these books yeah, lead us to the conclusion of kind of killing your pride. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think America could really use a, a reevaluation of pride. Um, it is good in certain ways. I, as we've said on this show, I think... If you take pride in wanting to, you know, increase love and kindness in the world, that's a good thing. But when your pride and ego has sort of overtaken you and um, you've sort of forfeited your soul and morality in the process, that I think we're in a we're in a dangerous position. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, I won't jump to that because, like, the kind of conclusion of the book, we'll we'll kind of wait on that. We'll get to that towards the end. Kind of his if he crafts the happiness hypothesis because um, he does talk about work and so we'll, we'll get to that with the whole pride thing or where that might be a positive um, on page 65 I noted that uh, it's kind of system one on our brains being lazy and Brennan is this whole um, metaphor of the the guy on the elephant Mm. Is that basically our system one and system two? I think yeah. he wrote that on yeah. the margins, and I think that it's interesting because this book was written in 2006, right? Yeah. And Kahneman yeah, was in 2012. 2012. Yeah. But they cited a lot of the same authors, right? Right, bro. They cited right. the the Flow book by, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Dude, that last name's insane. But this whole idea of the system one, system two, we're seeing in a lot of these psychology books where that system one is that automatic reflex Kind of like you said, Brennan, when you're playing basketball, right? I mean, if you have a reaction, if you hit a big three, that's just a system one if you have a reaction. And then um, your system two is kind of that more um, deep thinking and making a conscious decision. Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. Which is what I wanted to talk about here with the whole, a lot of times our system one makes that decision, which can be biased based on like a primer or something, right? Like if you're wearing a a Feel the Burn shirt now, now I might like subconsciously be thinking of... I don't know, more liberal policies, yeah. just like that. So if Nick asked me how I felt about something, you know, that might be in the back of my mind without me realizing it. Um, so just kind of, yeah. it talked to one of our friends' discussions with um, a lack of free will, of like the existence of free will. Yeah. And a lot of these books seem to point towards that whole system one kind of negates the idea of free will because a lot of times it's just that instant reaction to something that our system one of our brain is using right. without right. us recognizing all the influences exactly dom and i think i kind of have a different view on this than probably even height but i agree that there is system one and system two but i think the goal for all human beings if we want to be educated and and wise um is to be able to go beyond system one Mm -hmm. and live in system two i i think sometimes it's just a a matter of the process yeah so like even framing it as if it's system one and system two rather than just two systems Mm -hmm. that people just you know Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. In between, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking making your system two, like working so hard on your system two that it becomes your... Yeah, uh, you yeah, can like influence your system you know what I mean to reduce your biases that we always come to in our system one where like boom instantly just come to a wrong conclusion and yeah. then so justly believe that wrong conclusion right right yeah that, 
the debate is is really interesting on that because you know if we're thinking of system one as stuff that we don't have to dig deeper on um i just think from a lot of the ancient wisdom in the eastern stuff i have read they always want to get you to a point in your mind where you can uh go beyond that's like what meditation is right exactly bro i think it's a mindfulness meditation thing all over again i think if you're living in system two you're living a mindful existence Mm -hmm. and i do believe some people live their lives more mindfully than others i think we'd be lying if we said that isn't the case um but it's a matter of what I like what Nick said about the process. I think there's a lot of training and practice that has to go into that. But I do think we should be educating, especially kids, in such a way where they can learn system two or uh, a mindful approach to life. I just think it's better for everyone. It's better for the individual. It's better for the family unit and then ultimately the community and society. So I do take itch- issue with um, any education or any philosophy that's keeping people locked in system one. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it is Buddhist, probably it is Buddhist. It's it just saying like, don't trust your feelings, don't trust your anger that much. Understand it's a feeling. Understand wow. it's imper- it's not permanent. You know, it's gonna pass. Um, and I just think the more time you spend in system two, you you you're a little bit smarter about these things, and it's very beneficial. You know, I'd certainly want. I don't take any disagreement with that. I would say, um, I guess it's also to keep important the positives of the system one in the sense of that whole. Um, I guess a typical is like the fight or flight response yeah. when yeah. it comes to just like kind of modern evolution, right? Oh, like yeah. some things, if you touch a hot stove, like that system one that just automatically, <laughs> or just like crossing yeah. the street, there are a lot of things that kind of keep us safe, that natural feeling of danger. Good point. Or of yeah. where sometimes you might want to trust that. But other times when we went hiking in the Zion, right, right. we went up to this huge, not cliff, but we we're approaching a steep part of the hike. And I yeah. was like, ah, oh, this is a good enough, Brendan. And you kind of pushed me through that. So that was a good sure. example of kind of working just, through. Exactly. Into that second phase. Yeah. Yes, you talk about when you inherit the <coughs> system one traits. Yes, absolutely. So the thing, the thing that I love... Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. Go. No, no, you're fine. The I imagine like, a lot of the system one traits are obviously yeah. gathered or you know instilled at yes. an early age. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I think it's important key to remember that in system two. Mm. You can you could definitely make there's some progress to be made there. I think yes. that's a point a lot of meaning in life. Yes, yes. absolutely. Nick Hoyt even says something startling. And that's to accept his premise. Like I didn't. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. right. <laughs> so he talks about how even happiness is hereditary. That we have yeah. a certain gauge of happiness that you can work right. using these ten like principles. On, or they're not really like principles, but using these ten examples of getting yourself to a higher end of the spectrum. But some people, you know, are just happy, going lucky, always happy, always happy. Yeah. And now yeah. that kind of makes sense. And I don't know how well researched that is. I've talked to a couple of friends, and they kind of flat out rejected it. My sister, namely, oh. she oh, was yeah. like, "I don't like that." You the know, philosopher, the philosopher who wants to kind of exactly do it. being happy to you know, yeah. You know, sometimes it's good to go through some. Oh, exactly. Definitely. 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 Oh, I agree. Yeah, no, you're completely right. But I found that to be interesting, right? Like, some people who are depressed, maybe they're just lower on the spectrum, and it's really hard for them, even their highest end of the spectrum. So, fellas, check this out. I just flipped the 91, and it says, your level of happiness that you will experience in your lifetime is determined by your biological set point, Mm -hmm. plus the conditions of your life. Plus the voluntary activities you do. So that's his hypothesis. Yes. Um, and I hope I didn't jump ahead too much. No, no, Brendan. I have, yeah, 80, 88 to 89. Yeah. Um, and then I have under that happiness equation. So I had that. That so, was something we wanted yeah, to get let to. Let me just repeat that again for you because you didn't read this yet. The level of hi- happiness that you actually experience is determined by biological set point, getting to what you were getting at, plus the conditions of your life, plus the voluntary activities you do. 
So then it's a matter of how can you make those the best that they can possibly be, given what you're given. But he, he makes a good point about, um, I think he used a scale of 1 to 10, and he says, you know, the happy-go-lucky kid in your class that just always seems happy 24-7, they might have been given, like on a scale of 1 to 10, a level 9 happiness. Yeah. But then there's someone that might have been given a level 3. <laughs> mm. And that's just, like, those are the They can only get up to, like, 5 if they really yeah. work. Like, so that's why there's, and I like what he says, there's no sense in thinking that you're a level 3, but think thinking oh when i get that big house man my happiness will be a 10 for the rest of my life not no not true you'll get a spike absolutely dopamine will come oh, a little serotonin rush but then you'll regress back to your level three because that's your biological set point right um, that's awesome find that so he did yeah. you talk about how it could be um, that's what i'm looking for almost a continuum how it's fluid how sometimes you could be reaching for something and then and along the way back. it could be a five Okay. And then once you get the house, it should be a nine. Wow. Back to me. Yo, Brett, Nick, that's exactly what he says. So yeah. in page 84, right, the progress principle, pleasure comes more from making progress towards goals than from achieving the goals. Yeah. And it talks about how the whole experience of, like, attaining the wealth and, like, getting that house is, is the fun part. And then once you have it, that becomes your baseline again. So that's back to, like, the fluidity. Yeah, definitely. Then your baseline is that house. So now that didn't make you happy. It was the whole point of getting there. Right, right. Which sort of gets to the whole meaning question. How yeah. Find meaning, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can see how it's relative. It's like, like lottery winners, right? They hit that peak, and then after a year, it's like that's now their baseline. Exactly. So that's yeah, exactly the you meaning of it's like, what do you keep? keep right. As our great Russian novelist Dostoevsky tells us, man, if I've learned anything about man, it is that he can get used to anything. So whether you Damn. win the lottery, you won the lottery, but then you'll get used to it. <laughs> Your life won't stay up there forever. You know, whether you go to prison. Unfortunately, you'll get used to that, you know. Whether you're on the top or the bottom, the human being can adjust. And I think that's all we can truly say about the human being. <laughs> Man, that's, he talks about that, Brendan. I forget which section. I think it is um, maybe page 80. Not page, you don't, have to, you don't have to go to 84. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, 86 I have, we have a default level of happiness, which is hereditary. Yeah. But um, talking about, he said, like, people who become disabled, right? Wow. And their levels of happiness. And then people who win the lottery and, like, just transposing yeah. their... Or, yeah. or not, even not that extreme, where just people living in serious poverty, their relative happiness versus, like, a rich person. It's like they actually... Um, most people feel like their life is worth living. If, if, I think that's what his argument was. There, if you gauge people in a third world country and you gauge someone in the United States, both of them will have an overall happiness to their life and yeah. say, you know what, things are overall, you know, I have difficulties. But he did say that there is some level of poverty. Like once you have a certain sense of financial security, your happiness does increase. But then after that, there's really no exponential increase after that. I want to bring attention to 89. Probably. You know, I wrote thesis next to this, um, which is probably why I agree with Height so strongly. Just this is his overall message. This is the essence of of Height so far. He's only written three books, but he says, as in that day, he's talking about the days of Buddha and Epictetus. Uh, people then devoted themselves to the pursuit of goals that won't make them happier. In the process, they've neglected the sort of inner growth and spiritual development that could bring lasting satisfaction. So I think that's the shift, right? Um, do we achieve goals only, or are we achieving a certain inner peace, an inner continuum of just happiness that you can find inwardly, and you don't have to search for goals? If you can find that, I think um, the goals will... Whatever your goals are, they'll come. Uh, I'm just thinking of a small example in my own life. I've been working a lot of odd jobs, but I've known throughout all these years that I love to read and write. It's that simple, you know, and I, I, I couldn't really find a job that I felt like was right for me. And now um, 
I think I have an opportunity to maybe land a full-time teaching position doing what I love. And I told these people today during the interview, if I get this job, um, I would, I'd work a job like this if, if I could do it for free, to, cheat, to teach kids about great books and literature and expose them to different ideas, different perspectives, um, I'd do for free. So I think like work on yourself first, work on your inner self first, figure all that stuff out, and then all the goals like, are a result of that. But the goals first, without working on your inner spiritual side, I don't, I don't think you're going to have a happy life. You know, and I think like, that's the whole reason why he wrote this book, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we do live in a society where you know, it's very goal-oriented nowadays. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Where most people expect to graduate college at 21, get married at 25, oh, exactly. yeah. have a house at 20, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So maybe a reworking of, you know, I think this all has to start again, like we say about everything in the schools, right? Um, I think kids must be educated in such a way where we tell them it's not wrong to mm. want a good job. It's not wrong to want to get married, but there's stuff that's Most way more important than school. school and then they look back yeah. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah, <laughs> like that we're all reading the books at the same age as if like we're all ready for those same books. Like, maybe it's good that they try to push us through, and I think I mentioned this right. before, right. but like the fact that you know, we'll read The Great Gatsby as sophomores, right? And then all of a sudden move on to some other book and I probably breezed right through whatever yeah. you have on your shelf over right. here, Brendan, in high school and yeah. I just couldn't get into it, probably wasn't there mentally, but you you might have been and there were students who were yeah. Yeah. in high school. And then in college, the same thing where now I'm 25 and you'll give me a, a book and I'll be like blown away by throw, <laughs> right? I was probably a sign throw at some point in my life and I just <laughs> didn't hit it. But because like I already, yeah. we're just, uh, I don't know how to, do, yeah. yeah. Other than we're yeah, all on that same track. factory system huh it's just a factory yeah. like to think yeah. like boom 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 high school right college you graduate then boom job and then all of a sudden it's like without reading have i taken time to reflect and sit down and spend a week marinating in thoreau right it's like, yeah, yeah. It's or like, just what, what yeah. as you reference right i can't get, i can't get over this you know this thing of of him saying neglecting the sort of inner growth and spiritual development that could bring here's the key word lasting satisfaction lasting satisfaction Goals will not bring that. You meet a goal. If all you're doing is just striving to meet that goal, it is not going to bring lasting satisfaction. Ambition's going to come, and you're going to need more. It's a drug at that point. You know, you, you, you take a drug, it makes you feel good. It numbs the pain for a little bit. Guess what? After a while, you need more. You need more. So let's get rid of all that. What is going to give us lasting satisfaction? Why aren't we educating ourselves that way? And people say, oh, you're, you're, what do you want to be a monk? Do you want to live in a cave? No. I want to live in this world, but I want lasting satisfaction. That's all. I don't want to wear a robe, you know? And I think, how can we almost de-radicalize that? You know what I'm saying? To just to truly promote, guys, don't we all want lasting satisfaction in our lives? You want to know how we get there? We work on our inner growth and our spiritual development. And then we can accomplish other things too, but we can't neglect those things. And I'd say this country's in this country's thirsty, man, for spiritual rejuvenation. And um, how do you? Yeah. Fi- did you find it difficult? Because I feel like you did a more authentic search for these these yeah. types of questions, right? Because yeah. when we graduated high school, uh, excuse me, when we graduated from Providence College three years ago, right? Yeah. I feel like so I would take a more like typical 
track and I was like all right let me let me apply to different jobs right and then you did this more like a- absolute like search I would say <laughs> where you said I'm going to teach in a low-income school out in San Diego and literally drove out there without having a car out there or an apartment <laughs> there and then you kind of did a couple of different jobs out there yeah. and then you come back and do a couple like I feel like how have you been able to cope with the um or just just the actual searching where you would you would I would know that you're home writing and reading, yeah. right? And that is radical in this day and age. Right. But right. now you're getting to a place where you might be able to, yeah, dumb. It's funny. Make man. a living I feel from like it. College was huge, right? So college, you start getting exposed to these new ideas. Certain things would hit me. I remember reading excerpts of the Brothers K and DWC, <laughs> and going back and probably talking to you guys about it. It's like this stuff's hitting me right now, you know. First time in my life that I felt like I was just getting hit by text in high school. I didn't. I wasn't getting hit by them college I was and it started reworking a lot inside so I just wanted to continue it man that's all you know I just wanted to continue it and um I've worked some odd jobs just to make ends meet and all that but uh this is I know this is what I'll do for the rest of my life it's what I love I I think I'm fortunate enough to have found it and if this can give me lasting satisfaction I feel like I'm more successful than anyone Mm. else and I'm not saying that to toot my own horn if there's someone that's found lasting satisfaction as a car mechanic that's beautiful you know that person's happier than the ceo or it doesn't have to be a ceo but maybe the lawyer that wants to get out of it that absolutely hates it just because you're a lawyer that doesn't make you more successful than the car mechanic you know what it's all a matter of who's satisfied and i do think human beings can um i don't want to say hack their own happiness but human beings when they work on themselves inwardly and I use this word spiritually, which I know has a, a different connotation in secular society, but focus, right, on those things, and satisfaction is possible. Um, and I just want that message to be to be given to kids a lot more, because I knew when I was in school, that message wasn't given. You know, I went to public schools, and I was just told, man, go to college, you know, you'll get a good job, and probably get a good house and stuff like that. No one was telling me about, like, trying to find satisfaction in my life, like, that wasn't a thing. And I'm, I'm upset about that. You know, I think that's unfair that we're not teaching kids that at a younger age. I think that's that's really unfair to kids. It's mm. it's nothing. I don't think we should figure this stuff out. It's a credential factory, as uh, Edmondson said, yeah. right? He said, he said modern day high schools are credential factories. Exactly, bro. Right? How many volunteer activities? Yeah, hey, I bought in, man. I bought in. <laughs> we all did. Man. I, know. I think of some kids now that I look back on. I'm like, they were ahead of their time, man. You know, I think of kids really? like Matt Adams in our community. At 15 years old, Matt was already saying, "This isn't for me, man. You know, I'm gonna try to find success in another direction." And uh, talking about existentialism. Yeah, like, yeah. 16, I wasn't ready for that. Right, bro. You know, I'm thinking, man, I gotta go home and, and, and do my homework and stuff. I can't really do this. But you get older and you realize, ah, whoa, wow, that kid was ahead of his time, man, at that age, right? This is stuff we're coming to later on in life. And then I hope we don't, you know, I hope <laughs> when I have this conversation in our 30s. And oh, we, we will. We'll be blown away. Like, well, I know. can't believe we weren't reading this at 25. <laughs> uh, Need to act upon that um, perspective. Yeah. I think that's probably like the number one thing that I liked about this book, not to beat it into the, the ground because we've been talking about it forever, but no, you know, just um, changing our orientation as a society. I remember I used to say, I told my girlfriend, you know, she said, what is it you're writing about? And I said, I want to change the conscience of our nation. And what I meant by that is how can we become a people or a society that truly values 
the inner life, you know, and I think the inner life isn't a weird life of complete solitude and and being cut off from reality. The inner life is what makes reality beautiful. You know, reality can't be beautiful if you've neglected your inner life. It's going to probably be a living hell for many people. It's going to be a rat race. And in order to opt out of the rat race, focus on that first. You know, <coughs> focus on the inner condition. And, uh, yeah, I just... That's the, I think that's the message. Oh, um, when did he future. write this book? Oh, it's like 2006, I believe. Yeah. yeah, pretty recent. This guy is good, Nick. In like 13 years, he's written three books, and they're all top-notch. Yeah. You'd love the right just book. I'd love to see what he said about this relative to social media. Yeah. yeah. He's obviously grown so much since 2006. He's, mm. very, he's very against social media, just for what it's doing yeah. to the kids. Yeah. You know, suicide rates are up for the I generation, and he talks about that. We could probably do coddling of the American yeah. mind on here at some point. Oh, I know Flavin's reading it right really? now. Really? <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Flav took it a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> Do you mind going to page 238? Because yeah. he has a, basically, it's a good conclusion on the meaning of life. Wow. Um, so I think it's the bottom of 238, and then it bleeds up onto the top of 239. Yeah. Um, you want to check Yeah, I can. Because uh, I would just read this an hour ago. All right. All right. What is the purpose of life? We can find compelling answers. Uh, so we can find compelling answers to the question of purpose within life. The final version of the happiness hypothesis is that happiness comes from between. Happiness is not something that you can find, acquire, or achieve directly. You have to get the conditions right and then wait. Some of those conditions are within you, such as coherence among the parts and levels of your personality. Other conditions require relationships to things beyond you. Just as plants need sun, water, and good soil to thrive, people need love, work, and connection to something larger. Wow. And that that's his, um, yeah. he talks about that a lot in the last two chapters. Yeah. It's that whole idea of people need love, work, and connection to something larger. And he, he really, um, yeah. uh, he discusses Buddhism, which is kind of like letting go of all external things. Yeah. And he says that he believes that you do need external things. You do need external relationships. And yeah. you can't find happiness all within yourself and give out, completely eradicate everything Good externally. Yeah, right. um, and that you, he also talks about Show work. That. And that's yeah. similar with your writing and reading, right? Like he says, when people find these callings, when you have a job because you really like doing something else, or you have a career because you're like, all right, I'm going to hit these goals in my right. career. But then there's this whole concept of a calling. Yeah. And that's when you hit that state of flow while you're at work yes. on nine to, in nine to five. Yeah. Um, so, so those three things really—it's um, yeah, love, work, and connection to something larger—and that's where he talks a lot about religion and people who are um, they enjoy their religions because of that feeling of being a yeah, something larger, yeah, something kind of um, um, being a part of something greater than themselves. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a big piece, and I like this whole idea of. Uh, Love and work, especially too. Work's know. interesting because I want to reject it initially, right? Isn't it almost like, well, oh, there's got to be something right? more to life than yeah, work? Yeah, yeah, it's. But I guess as humans, we really need these do, things yeah. to keep it like things that we're naturally interested in to just keep I've pushing seen, forward. Like, in. Especially just in my own life, right? I'm thinking of my father. I'm thinking of my uncles, uh, laborers, you know, blue collar type guys. When they don't have work, they are. It's an instant depression. It is just pure misery, and once they find work, it's like, wow, okay, I'm per I'm useful again. I, I have a purpose. I'm that word useful. I think is big. I think work does make us feel useful in a sense. You know, like um, what you guys are both working in a bank. Like you know, say what you want, but like that's useful. You know, like someone's getting their money because you are you are useful in helping them do that. Like there's pride in that. Um, 
Yep. Dom, you know what I'm saying? Like the way you're managing. Oh, people like getting things, making yeah, things happen yeah. and getting things done. And we do that in the course of work. Exactly. Right? You know, so. And like when you can so find work, part. the key is though, exactly what you're saying about vocations big. I think we're in trouble. For example, right now, you know, I'm working with really young kids and I'm really realizing how I'm not suited for it, you know? And I, I think when I was younger, I think sometimes we really try to um, pound, pound the, the square into like a round hole mm -hmm. so much. But then there has to come a point in your life where you, you have some humility and you say, this isn't for me, man. Like, I'm not meant to work with five-year-olds. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm terrible with that type of stuff. Oh, me, man. when I was a waiter at the Venus, yeah. man, I can't handle the food industry. There's someone that can do that job back <laughs> And that, it is what it is. So the key is, what job can you do well, right? What job can you do well? Can you get some love in your life? And then can you have maybe a connection to something higher? And I think you'll be happy, right? Yeah. It's not rocket science. But man, not many people get there. Like, yeah, it's not set up because the day to day grind yeah. of it is yeah. is not as romantic as we make it sound and in you this podcast. Economic stuff, and all of a sudden, oh, now you have to work three jobs. You have to come in that Friday, and yeah. like, but you love work, so you're happy. Like, no, yeah. So I think, man, it's, happiness is not easy. I'm gonna say that right up. You know, I look around when I'm driving a car, especially. I see a lot of. I try to look into faces. Of people find hazards. what they what they want in work. Yeah. Like at work, I obviously don't like what the bank stands for. I mean, there's a lot of right. political aspects to it. Yeah. But obviously, I find meeting in work and helping uh, a customer who doesn't have an account when I have to check, um, charge him $8. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I can waive the fee or something like that. So, you know, that yeah, you're good at making the most of it and yeah. finding little. Yeah. So, right. a lot of people are at work saying, oh, I love to fill out this balance sheet. Yeah. 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 Just trying to make the most I know, of it. Exactly. I, no matter right. what they pay. Right. But there's beauty in getting into that mindset because yeah. I just think sometimes it might be hard to, right. to get into that and find the, yeah. the little wins throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, man, uh, good stuff, good stuff. On, like just as plants need sun, water, and good soil to thrive, I like that whole idea. You know, that's very Eastern of just looking at people as plants. You know, I want to challenge every listener in here today. You know, if you had, if you were were to um, plant some some stuff in your garden, or you know, you pick up some flowers, how would you treat those? Right, you water them, you try to take care of them. And try to treat people like that for a little bit, right? People, you don't have to always compete um, and put people down and, and raise yourself up. Try to understand that you can nurture people. People are plants, you know, let's help them grow. And I, again, this is another thing America's lacking in very hard. And um, it's, it's all right there. It's in the books. It's just a matter of application. Well, we started the, um, the set today. Um, you talked about how he speaks about some history. Uh, what do you mean, bro? Some historical figures like Plato, Aristotle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does he um, like incorporate them in terms of society? Like everything, okay. everything you're saying is obviously beautiful. I mean, right. We should treat everybody well. Uh, right. But I mean, once you start taking into account that other people are. They make more oh, money yeah, than yeah. you yeah. there's less resource you know how yeah. I know he gives them credit as being really good psychologists and how he he talks about uh, I can't cite it as well um, but I think he gives he gives them credit for actually look he says that like philosophers kind of became too scientific but back in the day the like the the classic um yeah, yeah, um, yeah those philosophers were just more like just asking these more broader questions of like what is the meaning of life so i think that's yeah. where he gives them credit You're but their actual yeah. application and like how you fit this these great ideas in when we walk out the door yeah. with society yeah. um right I i'm not sure I'm if i have a, see that's a good question nick i don't know if i'll be able to find it right off the bat but it's funny, I think he does dismiss the ancients, like, this is a book about using ancient wisdom in the modern world, but I think he, you know, Dom talks about, he sees the happiness in between, I think he also is very aware that 
we do have to add a lot uh, add a certain uh, degree of uh, practicality pragmatism here because like he says you know when you when Buddha when you take it to the Buddha extreme um, you could be disconnected right but uh, I'm a firm believer in you have to disconnect first and then come back right you can't stay in this forever disconnect for a little bit come back with what you learned in your retreat in your wilderness to quote some uh, Christian Christianity scripture and then you come back out and um, you bring that spirit back into the modern world that is desperately in need of it and that's just a matter of I think philosophers are all after truth right and um, I don't know if I answered your question at all but I know what you're saying it, it becomes difficult uh, in terms of um, finding that philosophical meaning amidst the practicality that we have going on like right. this society being together and right the top one percent having this amount of money yeah 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 right yeah that's obviously a grand i know yeah right i think um yeah if we read this and then you toss that question around maybe we could have uh jostled with it next time right Uh, i mean i guess what i I would say there and don't don't take this as absolute truth but what i would say is these wisdom type books are always always transcend those questions and I'm not trying to downplay that at all you know I think those questions are look how popular they are you know you go on New York Times uh, Washington Post The Atlantic all what you just said bro will be front page news but the thing I like about books like this is this isn't front page news this is the matter of the individual and I think it relates back to um, what Dickens says right there's no need for Dickens said there was no need for politics if everyone uh Took, he was. He said, if everyone took Christ's message to heart, there would be no need because everyone would have that in their heart. Um, and I just guess it comes down to, do we think people could change? Right, probably the age-old question. So if everyone worried, if everyone took this seriously, um, I don't think you'd have those type of problems. If that answers your question. No, definitely. And I just want to clarify. I'm not. Yeah. I'm particularly not asking that grand question. Right. right. I just want to know if he, he used history. Right. He doesn't address book, it that in much, the book. Man. Oh. Yeah. Because we're obviously having a sp- great spatial discussion about how we should take it ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's very important. Like you said, it's probably the most important. Right. But the political. I know. You're I just want to see if he referenced um, history. He, nothing story. that I can remember. Yeah, no, but sorry, he, he could have. Yeah. I'm not the best. If, well, you know, he didn't, man. Now that you're if talking, I'm happy over time. If we become right. if, in his analysis, his interpretation. I know he's a big believer in uh, training, right? So this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Uh-huh. It's a you know that conscious decision to, I don't want to say want it. It's just a conscious decision to to go on the journey and say I'm opting out of probably uh, what what uh, everyone else is they think their version of success is, and I'm gonna go for this inner thing and see what happens after that. And I just think the more you do that, uh, hopefully, right, the less greedy you become, the less violent you become. I think all those things fall into place, unless uh, if. You know, I could be wrong, but I just, from what I've seen in my own life, I can only speak from my own experience. And when I've taken the inner life seriously, uh, my anger has subsided, my jealousy has subsided, and I'm so thankful for that. Those things were eating me up before. And I think modern America wants you to be angry. They want you to be overly competitive. They want you to be ambitious. But does that lead to lasting satisfaction? And the fact that we'll neglect those questions for more of a political historical debate I think is 
a waste of time truly um it, it will it will ne- that's the will only change when our hearts change and uh yeah i definitely agree yeah that's wow that's why we ask the questions man especially in um yeah. times like today there's obviously such a growing frustration yeah so I've stress been stress and yeah. depression, right, right? The competition on social media, people yeah. to kill, committing suicide, all yeah, that, you yeah. Know. Um, suicide it's rates. Almost, uh, yeah, I saw um, to speak to your point. Unprecedented right? question to ask: yeah. How do we tackle it? Right, you know? right, but, um, right. Um, I know, I know. I saw a thing um, uh, other day: suicide rates are the highest they've been since World War Two. What? And um, think of how much wealth here in the standard of living. If you ask me, I would say it's so much higher. Why would anybody do that? And right. Yet statistically, and I, it's. And I'm just like, man, what does that say? Right? Like that speaks to a certain. So it's not correlated to GDP, is what you're saying? <laughs> you know, like look, look at our reputation. You know, like globally. I mean, I like. I know uh, I, I rip on the country quite a bit. <laughs> and, uh, I won't be celebrating the fun now. <laughs> I might not uh, be holding a flag on the floor. <laughs> well, but um but uh That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm gonna lose some listeners for that. But no, let's be honest, right? Suicide rates are skyrocketing. And we're not talking about that. Man, that should be front page news, right? I let's take, let's take a backseat to all the political jargon that the, the shit never sorry, stuff never gets done. Let's start talking about why are people killing themselves, man. It is a spiritual crisis. Why, right? If you kill yourself, you are not content. You are not happy. So a book like this says, dude, I look at books like this truly in my heart is is, is so happy to see this book out. Um, this is a man that I think gets it. I would do anything to sit down with a guy like this because he understands that it goes beyond all of that other stuff. But you're right, man. This stuff is in our face all the time. And it's tough. It's tough, dude. It's tough. I know I, I try to live this life the best I can and I screw up every day. But politics never go away. But you know? I, I sit here and I, I'm laughing because I, I think of um, George Collins' skit on yeah. this. Um, when he said we can't even take care of ourselves, how the hell are we going to take care of each other? Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a funny skit, Definitely. I think that's in the back yeah. of my mind. Like, yeah. The way I've been dealing with wipe our own ass. Like, you got some politicians going up there talking about what they're going to yeah. do for the world. Bro, are, are they satisfied? <laughs> you know, some of them don't look satisfied to me. I look at their faces and I see rage. I see yeah. hatred in some of their faces, and it's just like the god oh, they go. I'm not listening to you guys. I'm gonna listen to my heart, man. Oh, well, that's what I've been doing, though. I've been like distancing myself from news and try to limit social media interaction, right? Because yeah. it's almost like if you participate in the front page news life cycle, it's like. Oh, it's so draining and so negative. It's like yeah. you can't be ha- if if I were to. I would love to test this out, right? right? Every single day, read the front page of the New York Times and watch the nightly news. As soon as the nightly news comes on, I walk out of the room because I can't. I don't want to see those stories, and and just see if my uh, how different my thoughts would be if I consumed more news each day. Because yeah. I've been, yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about the nightly news or a newspaper. Well, I'll be damned. I right. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. not now. I've yeah. like, oh, what are we gonna do about the drone strike in Iran? You know, I hate that that's going on, but I, yeah, I have no clue what happened. You're completely right. I mean, this is just bad. It's right. Bad. Right. Yeah. If I don't <laughs> give my energy, I can't. To, I can't stand to watch it. Am I a worse citizen? I used to value that and be right. like, because we were ta- told in school, you know, oh, yeah. watch the news, you'll be a good citizen. Right. right. <laughs> then I was watching it and reading like, you know, yeah. Yeah. four killed in this like mass murder in Texas. It's like, what? Yeah. Dude, it's strange, Dom. Um, I go back and forth on it, right? I'm not going to lie. There's been times where I've opted out of the news cycle. 
to points where I'm embarrassed to admit. And now I'm trying to, I think it's weird because you want to be a responsible citizen, you know, obviously. But at the same time, you don't want this stuff to overwhelm you. Um, it's probably some balance, of some, course. Oh, you gotta find a balance. <laughs> what I do is uh, I check, like, Guardian, New York, you find, you definitely a couple find things. You find your own I mean, right. Yeah. There's no need, there's no, you shouldn't be scared to watch the news or read the New York Times. I mean, right. if that's what you already makes your heart beat. Right, right. I, yeah, I think, um, there's definitely I guess, all, I guess what I would say on this is just... Again, there's something that goes beyond that. <laughs> and that, and that is kind of what he's speaking to at this. Like, uh, there's certain people who you can tell have stayed very up to date. Uh, they've become very compulsive news checkers, but they're not taking any time to figure out maybe how to get rid of anger in their hearts and things like that. And those are the issues that must be attacked. So I, it's the neglect of them. We're not saying don't check the news. It's no. just we're just saying we're advocating for changing the heart yeah. <laughs> like it, <sighs> well generally speaking i guess that's where e some of the eastern cultures do help in the sense yeah, where that yeah. whole taking time to reflect yes. whereas um there are certain days where you just don't take time to reflect or where if like if you're working so hard and then you come home and you turn on netflix it's probably like i despise like mass consumption like netflix yeah. and there's like a quote by the h the founder of hbo or whoever's the ceo right now talking about how their goal is to make addictive products like oh, yeah, yeah. they will come out and tell you we're straight to your face oh, but yeah. that's what they want people to binge watch right oh dude that so no one's taking that time for self-reflection no, something hit me the other day i was on goodreads.com looking up a book review right a bunch of ads are popping up on goodreads that says um binge this show now on goodreads.com so i looked on up goodreads. I, I opened up a new tab and i typed in binge the definition was excess gluttony and that's what our culture promotes man like it's difficult in like modern society to take the time or maybe I'm over exaggerating because I'm sure back in the day right if you're talking like the 1800s people probably had to take so much time to like farm their land and so like mass right. much more time manual labor Dude, so I'm it's sure tough, man. it's tough like they weren't yeah. I don't know how we reverse this so that's what's dangerous is but if um, yeah because these products like you said are so addicting so if you're on social media and these applications right, right. and the neuroscience behind it speaks to the fact that it's going to have a stronghold in our minds goals comparisons 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 yeah. stimulation yeah. And, and it's not like this isn't just something you say okay i'm not going to binge watch shows anymore <laughs> if you've been binge watching shows for five six seven years guess what pretty soon it'll be 10 then 20 we see people asking people reaching out to other people any new shows for me to binge yeah yeah just begging and it just comes back to you know um we're afraid uh, who is it the great uh it, it, once again just oh, to clarify sorry, it's it's not i would say it's not bad it's sometimes it's not about the network itself like hbo you can find a good show on HBO okay and watch it right there's a balance there's so right i think that yeah yeah without a doubt man. yeah you have to be critical to it i'm over generalized right. i'm over generalizing in the sense yeah, yeah. people consume instead of being time to reflect tough because i don't i don't see a time where it's like we're gonna step in and say, right HBO, you can't produce this. Well, I don't Twitter look to the government to do that. I guess it's kind of more that individual just right. saying, like, these, but these companies are so big. <laughs> you yeah. can't just ask yeah. everyone to get off Instagram. You know, yeah. We do it every day on this pod, dude. <laughs> 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 it's as we come to Instagram platform. But, Nick, you're right. Don't get a lot. No, no, no. No, no, this is where we do Right. I think um, what they're. I, it's, I like what you're bringing up, dude. You're getting us going in many different directions in. Uh, this book was really good too maybe we'll get to it this guy is a journalist franklin four 
he was forced out of uh, the Atlantic, no, the New Republic, I'm sorry, when a Facebook guy took over the company, and he said he wanted to basically, he wanted to make clickbait. I'm not familiar with these terms, but some clickbait, I guess, is you write an article just so people can click on it, not for, you know, integrity, not for journalistic uh, duty for truth. You write an article for the sake of getting more clicks, which generates more revenue, and he talks about how we need to break up big tech, and he calls them, you know, the four monopolies of... Uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple, and he says you need tr you need to bring back the trusts that we saw um, when we had the first Gilded Age, and ev Robert Reek. Everyone's saying we're in a second Gilded Age right now, and really? I think we are absolutely without a doubt. Um, I don't know, man. This stuff sometimes you feel like you're punching against the wind because <laughs> how are we gonna bring this? How are we gonna change this con this conscience? You know, that's what it is. But history definitely has these moments, so don't you're completely yeah. right. Yeah, I'm on your side. You know what I mean? Absolutely, you, you bro. Um, it just. How I do we, agree with the magnitude of it, right? I do agree with. I think how do we get enough people to right? You know? How do we get enough people to see um, what is meaningful again? You know, like you're telling me if we had the big shots of Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple here, we had them in this room, and we're having a discussion, and that's all. You're telling me that they would justify what they're doing in terms of hooking people psychologically to a product that they've made rather than like... I think they must have. I think it comes back to this part where they think that they have... Their actions are motivated by really good See, reason. I guess... I guess I am. By what damn really good what? Reason. Wow, bro. Well, well I'm, I'm trying to yeah. make the argument for no, mine right. saying that yeah. if we disagree with someone, maybe that they, they actually right. believe that their actions are motivated Dude, by... I guess, to what I was um, speaking to earlier, I guess I'll give a very Obama answer to this. And that's the fact that you can go around. I know you feel this too, Brandon. You must. <laughs> and to, like Dom, you said, he's worked different jobs, mm -hmm. been in different industries, and um, kind of just been trying to figure it out in a sense after college. Yeah. Um, but when you meet the people, when you meet them, you talk to them, you feel them, you look at them. I just want to honor that a little bit because I don't think that all of society is just, you know, fucking out like ass backwards. Right. right. When you meet them, there, it's you know, it's there. It's just something. There's something else that's yeah. really tearing up that fabric right. for, of everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just I try not to be that critical. But you know, you you can't. You have to be critical to a sense. Some people are no. just right. They're out there posting things, and right. it's either unhealthy or bad, or yeah. just. I mean, have you right. read something? Right. Experienced something? Yeah. And it's, yeah. you just got to challenge them. You know, hate them, right. but like, right. But it's important to have that mentality. Uh, right. At work, I right. meet some people, and you can be so critical. They, they might post a picture for a couple likes, you know, but they, they, they know, you know. Definitely. Or they just need that experience. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely guilty for overgeneralizing with the pod. I guess it's um, yeah. no, no, it's difficult not to when we're reading up. Yeah, no, I've you're, learned from you. And but, but it's good. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, because, I mean, like, yeah, no, you're right. When you talk to these people, if, if I were to say, like, oh, all these people are using these things, but then... But it's... Yeah, you're right. You meet these people, and so many people are reading these books. If we go online, like so many people are championing some of these books. So there really is yeah. so many people in society who um, right. Right. who do have these ideas as well and champion them. And even people who are binging Netflix, they're not like yeah. doing it because yeah. they're like right. checking out entirely. There, I'm sure there's. You are right because it picks up steam, and it's almost like you're getting tackled with the, all these things that people watching millions of shows. Yeah. Some fantasy about getting all their debt canceled because yeah. for some other reason or another. Right, right. And, and they truly haven't read. They don't. They don't know anything about it. So it's very. It's challenging. How do you mm. put it in front of them and say, "Oh, now what do you th what do you think about it?" You know? Especially that perspective. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. All right. 
to like kind of um i guess we so we've talked about the career the benefits of that and we've talked about um what else was in that like equation brendan we talk about kind of like what the external factors but i wanted to hit on the love piece because i found this interesting on page 88 I talked about a good marriage is one of the life factors most strongly and consistently associated with happiness. And he says, while happiness causes marriage, uh, most of the apparent benefit is a real and lasting benefit of dependable companionship. Wow. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That you do yeah. need love for, for happiness. Right. And I thought that last line, the real and lasting benefit of dependable companionship. Nice, Tom. You and I think we've I learned that from our friends. Yeah. I didn't read the book. You both did. But yeah. I thought when you texted me before I came here, tonight, that was the most fascinating thing that you said um, that it was a Western ideal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely used his words on that. Oh, Let oh, me find it. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, maybe mean, not in this exact sentence, but he does talk about the Western. Yeah, but you can finish your thought. Let me try to find that. Oh, no, it's in my phone. I that to be profound in a sense because yeah. maybe... Um, I don't hate the West. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm naturally just... I like to be a critic. I'm finding myself... But that's the but We're I, not I, as critical I mean, of ourselves. I do find that, you know, I'm finding my, you know, I'm finding my whatever it is, right? Whatever my innermost, innermost nature is, I'm finding that it is more in line with what Eastern um, cultures promote more than West. Yeah. And I think that's and, something all individuals should look at, right? Um, not everyone. I'm not saying everyone's like that. Yeah. But there's certain things about the East that I'm drawn to, man. You know, this idea of inclusivity, right? This idea of truly understanding that every man is your brother, every woman your sister. That's wow, that's radical, man. That could transform a society. And um, the more introverted, as we read in our last book. Yeah, right. Say. I was gonna ask you this. I'm so glad you chimed in. How do you how do you feel about love being thrown into that? Because I'm meeting yeah. on it philosophically. Yeah. Right? Love is of being a component of happiness. That it could be a Western right. ideal, and right? We have to might, we might have to honor that, right? In a sense, right. I do. You know, it's definitely a, It's awesome to bring this up, and you know, to have this course around it. Are we talking about romantic love? Are we talking about platonic? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when he says when he says marriage, that I thought was, but then the last part, I kind of. Because I'm not married, the real and lasting benefits of dependable companionship, and I find dependable right. companionship in you guys, and like we've had such a strong like friend group yeah. since like the beginning See, of you know time. I I find fascinating. I read a book. Um, I would say marriage is more of a Christian ideal, right? Than, wow. than a Western. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the West is obviously Christian for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I I see what you're saying. You on know, that, because sure. because yeah. love. I mean, I hate to be cliche. Yeah. Love right. can be anything. You can go yeah. to love and love yeah. multiple. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I know the love where it is. I think you talked about like France and talking about romance that's Western, and then like especially Christian. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Christianity and the West, I guess, are pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the love thing is wild. I love what he says. Um, I hate to quote him word for word, but I want to find it in here to answer what Nick just said. Oh, Uh, yeah, you can find it. Yeah, I know. I put it in here. It was definitely one of the best things that I read. after this, Nick, I did find on page eighty-nine and ninety, I put he wrote a description of the Western ideal, oh, so okay, we can look right, at yeah. we can read that description. That just struck me because you know I like reading that stuff. And, um, oh yeah, it, it just <laughs> this is funny. It just bothered me to record that. Actually, ah, here we go. Appreciate it and own it. And so like, you know, uh, he says, <laughs> "True love exists, I believe, but it is not. It cannot be passion." that lasts forever. So he, right here he's drawing a distinction between true love and mere passion. True love, the love that undergirds strong marriages, is simply strong companion love 
Uh, strong companion love with some added passion between two people who are firmly committed to each other. Um, and he says, uh, passion, and I, me and Nick have this discussion quite a bit. And uh, he says, passion, uh, it seems almost trivial because it's merely a flash in the pan, while companionate love can last a lifetime. And I, I've been in a relationship for a year um, with my girlfriend, and I'm starting to see, you know, we went through the honeymoon phase. <laughs> Uh, not to get too Twilight-esque here on, on the pod, but um, you know, it's during that honeymoon phase. There's there's passion. You yeah. feel like you're living a Pushkin-type romantic life, and uh, then you know maybe after some time you start uh, getting the passion. Maybe that same passion subsides a bit, but all of a sudden you notice your connection to this human being is much stronger. And you look back on a year and you can't believe how close you are to a human being. I never thought it was possible to be that close to someone, man. Never. My, even my best friends, I could never get yeah. as close, right? Certainly not family members, maybe my little sister. Um, but uh, I guess true love, right, is just continuing to go deeper, man. Continuing to go deeper in your relationships, whoever that is. It could be your dad, it could be your best friend, it could be your dog, man. <laughs> continuing to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I do think if we separate marriage you know from whether it's an idea whether it's christian just that commitment to one human being i think is probably the most beautiful thing there is on earth i'm starting to think of like if you had like maybe five partners i don't know if you have that much energy to give all five like how can you go that deep with five people yeah it's almost like it is a and maybe that's what makes it more beautiful is that it, it is a soul and you're saying you don't necessarily need marriage yeah, yeah, like right. um, maybe you don't even have to maybe necessarily call it that, yeah, but I, I do want to say that I do think this should be, and Height says something brilliant in here when he says, it's great to be an idealist and say that you want you know perfect love with everyone in creation, but he goes, that's not true. He goes, I'd much rather have perfect love with one person mm-hmm. and everyone else just, you know, I can be close to, but there's one person that we've gone, we've, you know, we've smashed through another different door entirely. And I do think that should be our goal in a way. Um, if you can manage having like three or four partners and keep it going, like that's impressive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't know if it's maybe possible. I, I don't know. You know, I would love to have someone on a pod that maybe feels like they have that with four people and I want to see how they are balancing all that. But I know one is more than enough for me. <laughs> like it's a lot of work, dude. But it's, it's worth it when uh, you just have that person to, you know, be co- I hate to be corny to hold them and talk like a little kid again with them. Like that stuff that is, it's stuff that, uh, you know, it's good for the heart, man. It's good for the heart, for sure. And there's definitely an aspect of sacrifice on yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's the, the I mean, beauty in the one, though, because yeah, yeah. you have you both are sacrificing. Right, right. But what it, you I mean, maintain that wholeness within yourself, yeah, and peace. And yeah, there's a lot. To it. But the passion thing yeah. is a big point. That's a point that I think we need to continue to study. And I like how he he how he's pointing out passion can't last forever. These are certainly things that I question all the time, and you know, um, yeah, passion. Mm. Huh. Well, I appreciate that. Especially yeah. That I could be an absolute blowhard, but like I said, man, I'd love to get another. I'd love to get the opposite perspective because, from my own life, I, I'm I'm just thinking. Uh, there's been times where I feel like I've been pretty close with like a lot of people, but I didn't have one person, right? And then now I can truly say I feel like I do have one person, and uh, it's almost like a whole new experience, you know. But I like it, man. It's 
I do think I'm happier because of it. And uh, I know if I could find that, anyone could find it. Man, I was very far removed, very far removed from even being able to let someone close to my heart, man. You know, I mean, it's all decision. It's all a decision. I mean, some people get married and... Yeah. That, Decision, bro. I like that word. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Nick. You're right, man. The decision aspect of it all, I think, is not to take anything away from the the nature of love. There is, I can't speak to. I've never met a love. I don't think I've ever met a love. Yeah, but um, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Settle down and experience that love and go through life with somebody. Right. My boy's first time on the podcast, and we're getting into the big questions. (laughs) I like it. For sure, dude. Love having you here, Bro, I'd love to have you back on here, man. For sure. Definitely want us to dive into into some Walt Whitman leaves of grass. You know. Into the season, maybe we can get some political commentary. Uh, Exactly. You know, Whitman, they say, is the great, he's the great poet of democracy. So I think with everything going on right now, uh, it's the political season. Oh, we have to read it. Yeah, we'll read it. There Uh, there isn't much of a choice. He has to be read. So these uh, Western ideal, I wanted to... uh, So basically, uh, let me read this here. So it's a... um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but... uh, it says, Krishna then parodies the thinking of such a devil. This I have gained today, this whim I'll satisfy. This wealth is mine, and much more too will be mine as time goes on. He was an enemy of mine, I've killed him, and many other too I'll kill. I'm master here. I take my pleasure as I will. I'm strong and happy and successful. And he says, substitute defeat for kill. And you have a pretty good description of the modern Western ideal, at least in some corners of the business world. Wow, that's great. I mean, so it's funny. <laughs> I'm a master here. I take my pleasure as I will. I'm strong, happy, and successful. Yeah. Just, you know, that's the yeah. the Western ideal there. It's just sad, man. Because People think they don't have to go through any bad experiences. Right. You know, they, right. Oh, if you see something bad, then you have the blind. You know, the blind or something. It's bad on that. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I've been doing with the well, news just, and stuff. I'm not listening yeah. to the other side. I mean, you clearly see that. Yeah. 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 But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm cutting off a lot because, you know, this type of stuff, I think I've said, if I am going to write a book, it will be a book in this mold, you know, and I'll, I think I'll go further than Height, certainly on some of his claims. But right there, it's perfect because, and again, what I want to speak to is if you choose to live your life that way, you will get the car, um, the house, the weird trophy marriage, right? You're, that stuff will happen. And. By all means, on the outside, it will look like you're thriving, but um, you'll be alone. You'll be isolated. And we're not saying this to take houses, good jobs away from people. We're saying this to save people's lives. Like, it's nothing short of that. This is life or death consequences because if someone ends up living their life entirely alone and isolated, that's a tragedy. But um, if you live your life maybe oriented in another direction maybe in a way towards kindness uh maybe trying to be a more compassionate person um guess what your life is going to be more it's just going to because of your openness now all of a sudden your life becomes larger and larger and larger as whitman says i'm large i contain multitudes all of a sudden your life becomes dare i say infinite and um the more you're focused on you being the master the narrower it gets man the narrower it gets so we're saying this i think to help people man you know and i I, it just really bothers me it really bothers me that there might be some people here that are doing just that and they would defend tooth and nail what they're doing 
And it's not about that. It's not about proving who's right or who's wrong. I just want to know if they're truly happy, right? And how he's posing this question is great because if the Western ideal is leading us towards isolation, suicide, and discontent, guess what? We need a new ideal. And let's get it out of there soon. Like, we don't have time to waste. And again, it just got how, how do we change it, right? And I don't know, sometimes I get frustrated talking about all this because it's not changing, man. At the top, it's not changing at the top. And what are we doing here? You know, we're at the bottom right now. I know I'm at the bottom. And, uh, yeah, gosh, I'm going, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, like, think about that, man. He just gave us the Western ideal, and all of us like, yeah, pretty true. We're going to shake our head. Be yeah. successful. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Wow. Yeah, that, I, I see that a lot. And it's just like, wait a minute. If you have those things and your life is large because, like, you, you know, you're compassionate and, you know, you love people, that's awesome. But if it's leading to this, like, I'm oh, master, I'm master, whoa, man, I've lived that life. In a high school age, you'll be alone, man. You'll be alone. Sad. Real sad. And mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah. like I said, the people that will ultimately lose. Yeah. I mean, as a wow. result or... Um, just naturally like I said earlier if you meet these people in the streets they might be victims of social media they might use it if they, they buy into mm-hmm. that copy you know because they are victims of it they, they're, they're oh, marketable yeah, yeah. I like the, the use of you the know, word victim right there yeah, like, exactly you know, yeah I think we have to keep just that like you, in mind. just like someone might be a victim of something in their job right. and they think that's right. a victim of their girlfriend that that's they think nice might thing. go well you don't need yeah. all those you know, bro I appreciate that reminder because I know I'm hard on, on people that I feel like might be trying to maybe promote this alter who I don't know you know there's just some people um that i've been very critical of on social media but i like how you're saying it's a victim thing yeah you know it's a victim thing not but maybe it's just a matter of them being represented more yeah i think that would be a start (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just that's yeah in america at least you have no right right. i just think all that stuff instagram uh facebook i can Mm -hmm. i think all that stuff is a representation of what Dom just read. So therefore it must be abolished. Like I don't I see think, any good in any see, I, I think, don't see any I look at social media, I see just what I see in society. I see a group of bourgeois um, either elitists yeah. <laughs> and they don't even realize it who um frame it in such a way they use their power. They yeah. get um three hundred likes on a picture. Yeah because of the, the ground they've built. And then you have the victims who are, some people, this is trying to align, purchasing followers, but they're purchasing followers for a reason because, yeah. you know, there is that gap where they feel like they're wow. posting something quality and oh. then they're not getting, you know, no, there's yeah. no feedback, which, you know, I don't do, but, <laughs> but no. I'm saying some people the do. Psychology, that's psychology, that's the psychology. That's another point you throw in there. Purchasing followers. Hold up. But if you think about if you compare it to um, yeah. societal things, you know what I mean? Right. Like that discrepancy yeah, is it bad? Is that worse than right. some of the other material you right. see on Instagram that gets undeserving? I just but think like, all you don't need this. There's so many. Yeah, that's, that's why I don't like my Instagram self because that's why I like using it less because I think it just it rewires your brain to do that in the sense where I'll take a photo if right. I go to a cool place right. and it's just like it's sick dude and it's best and then it looks like i'm living this great life and it just it but bro this is why honesty this is why honesty exactly and testimony is huge on this issue just like anything like bro what you're saying about abuse is brilliant because once we frame this as dude dumb you're not a bad person for that we were all over there dude i remember i'd be jealous by the amount of likes i got if my friends got more think about that this is sick dude this is sick stuff and um 
I, I would post a picture and I had to check my phone compulsively. How many likes am I getting? Dude, this is reality. And I know I'm not the only one who's well, doing this. I think that. So to get off of something that is, uh, you, you, you have to understand that it's wired in such a way. There's no need for people to post pictures. There's no, absolutely none. And I'm, I'm taking a very hard stance now. I'm finally off everything. I'm wow. off of all social medias. I used to be on two of them. Um, and I'm not going back because there's truly no need for them. There's no need. If you want to stay in touch with people, call them, email them, um, text them, right? You don't need to know what everyone's up to. And I'm not going to lie. I feel so much less... Pe- like, uh, it was weird. Like, people would run into family members, and they would know, like, what I was up to. Exactly. In my life. And, like, they would maybe make comments. I think, see, that's what I was getting that's at. That's weird, That's what man. I was getting at. Where, yeah. what, what, to what you said, Dom, in terms of um, you, you did, taking a picture and then worrying about posting it. But I know you personally, some of the material you post good and you're even if it's wrong in hindsight you're still striving to capture something but what i what i'm trying to get at is people use accomplishments and yeah. their daily activities to, to remind you how much you know better than, better than dude so it's so already but sometimes okay you know, no, no, you'll no, let no, you finish but sometimes all right i think maybe i'll take it too seriously right where i'll laugh because then i'm working out on a sunday in my garage dude and i'm laughing i'm like dude this is awesome like i'm gonna do like take a photo of me doing like some pull-ups or something like yeah. that and it's just like a complete tool video but it's kind of like not taking it too seriously yeah. in the sense where it's like funny content because i know people who work out who be like oh good work you know what i mean it's yeah. just like yeah. there is some type of positive community that there is out there okay. and then i like people at the rec center work out with i'll be like oh dude you just deadlifted 350 so like there is some stuff where Right. I I, I kind of take the blame on myself right now where I'll yeah. be like you know what I might not like it if if right. someone because someone will say something like oh dude you like travel the world and stuff like that and it's like dude I don't but if you go to my Instagram page it's only photos of when I'm like yes. in a different city yes. and I and I don't even realize that until I look about it it's like oh look it this is a classic case of me only sharing positive experiences people might perceive that yeah. I'm just like a positive and doing well person right. and I kind of like I'm embarrassed about that Right. But that so that that's kind of my thought process. Yeah, but you're probably you're in a cool city and you're you're probably sitting there thinking like, Wow, I'm experiencing something, you know, that's what I was or getting at. I'd like to think that, but I mean But what my thing is my thing is if I went to dude, if I someone like if I went to any other city like Las Vegas, even this sounds so stupid, but Vegas just said I'd feel compelled to share that because I've never been anywhere. But like Like, that that would be a big moment in my life. And I understand. But I wouldn't push sorry, I I've thought so much about yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> and it just—it comes down to why do others need to know you're in Vegas? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you want to let me know, give me a call or text, mm-hmm. bro. You know, it's like what it's—it comes down to this: what are you trying to prove, man? And it goes back to that American ideal: we always gonna prove something. Stop! You don't need to prove it to yourself. And guess what? If you've proven it to yourself, you don't need any of that nonsense. It comes That's back to self-reliance, man. Emerson, Thoreau, Whitman, dude. If they were alive today, they'd be self-reliance. They'd be, they'd be puking, dude, nonstop at what's going on because this is the complete opposite of self-reliance. It is look at me, and I need others to approve of my existence. And if you go your whole life trying to have others approve of your existence without you approving of your existence, we're lost, man. So it, the whole thing needs to be destroyed for what it resent, represents on a philosophical level, truly. And if people okay. are like, dude, let's find the good in it. No, because I do believe that's the truth of what it represents. That's the essence of social media. It's you. Try, it's us, right? I, I don't want to say you. That's our, It's us trying to prove to others that we're worth it, that we're happy. Important. We're happy. Come on, man. 
that's weak. There's no need for it. Prove it to those around you. Prove it to your family first. Prove it to yourself first and foremost. Then prove it to your family. Prove it to your coworkers at work. Why are we trying to prove it to people that we have no relationships with, right? I remember when I was on Instagram, I posted a story maybe of my writing, and there's a hundred people that would watch, that are watching it that I have no contact with on a daily basis. I don't need to prove that to them. Mm. Um, I simply don't need to. I want to prove it to you guys. You know, I want to prove it to myself, right? I want to prove it to myself, and then I want to prove it to my friends. And I can do that with what we're doing right now. Why do we need to use these devices to do it? I think it's nonsense, man, and I don't think there's a place for any of them anymore. Uh, at all. Any of them. Snapchat, Instagram, wipe them all out. Wipe them all out. No, but I think that's something we want to, I want to really, I want to hit the opposite time because I've come hardcore in this stance of what this represents truly is like, I just think what you said, Nick, was so good though, like, you take, Dom takes that awesome picture and then Dom could have that awesome picture to, and he proved that to himself. But when we put it out there, aren't we saying, look at me, aren't we saying like, or like we're really trying to share that for the good of others, yeah. or are we trying to share to say, Look at me. I do Look think it I is like a press release. We are all like our own like PR agencies. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, like, but at the same time, I guess, is there a way that we can not take it as seriously, Brendan, in the sense where like maybe I'm truly not saying like everybody look at me in a, in a certain situation. Whereas like with your writing, say you not, you're not posting it as everybody look at me and you're like, whoa, I think I wrote something that was like, is really cool. And if a hundred people read this, maybe two people can like marinate in it. Okay. So that's not one I way I think. But I think people treat this other point where they, dude, I think people truly reach a point where this is they good. don't care what they post. And they just, what, what do you mean by that, Nick? They just start posting anything? Yeah, they feel they're, they're not thinking about how many people like it or how many fo- you know, followers yeah. they have. I think they're doing it for their own sake in a sense I mean who they'll reach yeah. I don't know it's a platform you can you can network with people I do see that with some people just like post a bunch of stuff <laughs> just like I think yeah, yeah. okay but yeah. there are people work, yeah. working towards something you know but can't they do that I'm saying like so maybe Dom loves photography right mm-hmm. can't he pursue that in a different way or but that is like almost a photography app so it is I would argue that it is a good I, dude, I, I struggle with this too. Where I'm not a hundred percent where you are, Brendan, but I recognize how yeah. bad some of the aspe- aspects are. But then some days I come to this conclusion where it's like maybe it's just how I interact with the app, and maybe some people are just posting it, and it's me who looks at it and it's like, oh, this stuff's gotta look good. Right. Whereas other some people are just like, oh, dude, I'm in Vegas. Look at this. Like my mom follows me, and like my cousin Vicky yeah. follows me, and like right. they'll be like, hit me up. And then when we were traveling like cross country, it's like you can message someone who's in this city and. Right. Be like, oh, well, we're actually driving by San Diego. Like, let's meet up. Right, but right there, bro, it's the message part. You know, I just think all, right, all, all right. of the communication stuff can be done on an individual Correct. level. Like, if I want to send you, a, if I want to send Nick a picture of what I was doing at Mount Zion, I send that. Three hundred people don't like yeah. it. And I could do that through email. I could do that through text. Like, all that stuff is already there. All right. I don't understand the need to broadcast it to this audience. Let me tell everyone listening to this, myself and all of you guys, you are not that important. You're a human being living in an indifferent universe. <laughs> but I think that's definitely why you follow who you want to follow. Right. I think you have that decision to, if I follow 10 people and in turn I have 10 followers and I post something, you know, right. it's, it's for the people who are following me. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I do think it is a narcissistic app. I, I'll like give you that. Oh, it is a narcissistic but app. But what, I mean... What it, like, or maybe I, I just 
the morning, I've been I can right. plaza, and I look at them, this is dead serious. I have the same sentiment that you have. Yeah. I see the cars strolling on by millions of traffic, traffic yep. everywhere. And I'd be like, why are these people having these many, why are the people having these many cars? Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And why do we need these cars? And right. I, you know, I start to think of some grand. Oh, some urban planning flying, stuff. Um, our city's becoming overloaded, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, yeah. But you know, a family of four will have more cars and stunning. It's yeah. Really, where are you yeah. going? And where are you going? It's just like, Dude, Dude, no, you yeah. can have that. You can have that. I don't know. Well, if anybody doesn't have any other ideas, we're pushing an hour and 13 minutes. So <laughs> you have to get back on the pod. But if anybody has any other ideas on happiness, we can uh, conclude now if you guys want to um, share them. Or... Yeah, I just want to... Wanna... Sorry to cut everyone off, but I'm, I'm going to get to bed. I'm trying to get to bed at night. But honestly, I thought this was so good. It's going to be right again. Um, Please. Gosh, I hope I didn't lose it. Yikes. Forgive me, friends. Yes, here we go. Um, as in their day, again, Buddha, Epictetus, just as in their day today, same things, these are human things, they don't, they don't change depending on the time period. People today devote themselves to the pursuit of goals that won't make them happier. They are pursuing goals that, quote, won't make them happier. <laughs> in the process, they neglect the sort of inner growth and spiritual development that could bring quote, lasting satisfaction. I just want to leave every listener with that. If you are pursuing things that are sort of goal-oriented and it's stuff that you don't even truly want to do inside, you're wasting your beautiful experience. And it's time for that. We have to be real about this. Like, the time for half measures is truly over because these are lives. And as far as I know, I only live one of these. As far as I know, everyone listening, you live one of these. So let's try to make sure we live this life in a way where we can find lasting satisfaction. <laughs> and I don't want to listen to anyone saying it's not possible. Get those people out of our lives, man. Seriously. Like, we have to be about this and uh, pursue it wholeheartedly. Everyone listening, um, go for that. You know, I think we should all strive for that, you know. Thanks, you. Uh, I would just personally refrain from commenting on the idea of happiness itself. Wow. Because um, I think we've said a lot about it. And probably left the viewers with something to think about <laughs> but I just think the most important thing especially our age where people depressed and stuff like that yeah. it's yeah. just you gotta believe in change wow. in the, the process and you just gotta keep going at it and d- there is a mentality of not I guess caring what other people think right you know at the end of the day yeah um, of, yeah focus on yourself and having that rigor to go through it yeah. go through you will come out you know it's just like, yeah I'm starting to get leveled more and more and more by self-reliance. You know, I don't know if it's just the transit. And reach out, reach out, reach out, definitely. Reach out, absolutely. Yeah. No, you do, those companionships are huge. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, you gotta have friends. You know, you have to have friends. But, um, it's the whole. Yeah. I mean, we're just repeating. What we're I know. It's all the parts, you know? Right. Uh, and at the end of the day, that, that, that thing with that big idea we're talking about, that we'll leave it up for them to... Yeah. They will, they will see the that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Thank you.